Welcome to Absolute Hustlers. I'm Brooke. And I'm your co-host, Sam. And this is your invite to join us. We are two private waitresses working in the Australian sex industry. And we just want to kind of take you guys along the ride, show you what it's like to kind of be part of our lives and part of this industry and, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. The mics are on. There are hoes in this house. There are definitely hoes in this house. Hey guys, welcome back to episode four. Been a long time coming, but we are really excited to be back in studio this time. It's only taken us three and a half years, or what feels like three and a half years to get back in the studio. You guys have no idea the amount of issues that we had leading up to just filming this particular segment or this particular episode. Like, Brooke got sick, I got sick, I went through a fucking terrible, disgusting, horrible breakup. You, what else happened? There was, I had a mental B over like the virtual recording. So then we like canned that. We were like, no. Yeah. So, because I was that sick, like my throat was swollen and I didn't know what I had. Like I tested negative to COVID, but I didn't want to take any risks. So, like, we thought, okay, we'll do a virtual film because like Brooke's in Newcastle, I'm in Sydney, and we had to do it on like a random Thursday night. And it just, yeah, internet connection issues, all of the issues that could have happened, happened. But anyways, we're here now. We're back in studio. We're very happy. So happy to be here. I can't wait to fucking dive into this bitch. I know. (laughs) We actually are having podcast withdrawals. Literally. And we've heard everyone, like we read your messages when you guys are like, where's the next one? When's it coming out? We're sorry. We're really sorry. It will be out. Well, by the time it's out, you'll be listening to this. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to start with a little life update because we've got a lot going on. So much has happened since we spoke with you guys last. So um, where did we pick up last? We were still waitressing every single weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And now Brooke and I have started working in the stripping scene. So Yeah, in the clubs. If you guys follow us on Instagram, we recently put a post out, or well, Brooke did, um, and it just specified that we are now working at, can we say the club that we're working? We're working at Sefton's Playhouse. Yeah, we're working at Sefton's at the moment. Yeah. It's um a little bit more... Uh, like I guess privacy isn't as strict there. People come in and ask for your number and your Instagram and all that all the time. Yeah. And the um the rules are a little bit different there. But we thought it's really it's quiet season for waitressing at the moment. Let's just give it a go. Yeah, give it a go. It's better to be like in the environment where you can make money than sitting at home waiting for a job and maybe not even getting confirmed at all. Mm. So yeah, I was talking about this with my um my girlfriend Mia the other day. Mm. She came down to Sydney. She lives like Central Coast area and we were staying together. Um we were trying to get a job together and we got full glam and we just waited and waited and waited for a job that literally never came in. And it was just infuriating. At least when you go into the club there's always the potential to make money even on quiet days. So yeah. that's what we're doing now. Um, what else? I did mention before I went through a really shitty breakup, but it's fine. I'm in my hot girl era yeah, now. I'm going to have a hot, hot girl winter. Hot girl winter. <laughs> Is that gonna, a thing? We're going to have a hot girl winter. <laughs> I'm loving it though. I'm loving it. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm th- I've always thrived when I've been single. To be honest, when I'm in a relationship, I let myself go a lot. And I just feel like I'm back to being myself. That's good. Yeah. yeah. You did fall off there you know, for a little bit. But. Yeah. But, you know, everyone's going to do some charity work sometimes and mine is now done. 
<laughs> big charity work, <laughs> my girl, big. You know, it can be prez of the Red Cross at this stage, the amount of men I've taken into my home, fed, bathed and clothed and not ever received a single thing back. Ridiculous. Yeah, maybe I'm in the wrong industry. All righty. Well, let's braid our weekend. Yes. Okay, so you guys are going to die when we tell you about this. Go okay. On. So um, on well, let, let's start with Friday night. Okay, so Friday night was the first shift that um, Brooke and I, I just want to call you Bonnie, I'm still in work <laughs> mode, uh, that Brooke and I worked together at Sefton's and it was crazy. Yeah, like it was actually, like we, we worked separately before, but working together, we were just such a powerhouse, I mm-hmm. reckon. Like we were like going ham on our stages. Yeah. We've always slayed as a pair, but let me tell you, there is, I will say this about stripping. It's a lot harder than waitressing, but there is something very euphoric about being on a stage where you're literally on a pedestal and those guys are just literally throwing money on, like yeah. throwing money on top of your body. And they usually, what they do is like, you have to kind of bend over in front of them and they want to like, you know, stick it in your clothes. But um, we were telling them, we were like, no, just throw it on us. Make like, it rain. Yeah, make I it rain. I always look at them and I'm like, make it rain. And we loved it. <laughs> we were loving it. And then I think there were um maybe some, like, because we're new, obviously we understand we're the new girls, so we're the babies strippers to them yeah. that I don't think they realize we've been in the industry for a long time um and I don't know if we'd, we've necessarily been well received by everybody but um but I think like that's just the way of the world I don't think mm-hmm. it's us in general I yeah. think it's just like the strippers that have been there for a really long time just mm-hmm. really cannot be fucked yeah and I get it that's like fair. it's not personal at all it's how many girls do you see walk in and out of those doors Quick you don't want to over mm-hmm. yeah but you don't want to spend time getting to know someone that's not going to be there in a year and that's fair enough we don't yeah. take it personal yeah um, so we had a pretty good night. I think we made around about five to six hundred bucks each or yeah. something on the on the Friday. And then on the Saturday night, that was, was just fucking appalling. It was <laughs> like, I don't know, there was just this um like chaotic energy that I just wanted to fight everyone. Everyone was annoying me. Like mm-hmm. they, I just had this burning rage like filling up inside of me and I was mm-hmm. about to explode. <laughs> we actually had a customer come in um, and my first stage I was being a little bit lazy like I'm, I mean okay so there's strict rules at uh, Sefton's regarding drugs and alcohol so uh, specifically alcohol you cannot drink at all not a drop of alcohol when you're working it has to be totally professional total, totally sober mm-hmm. um, and when I get on my first stage sometimes I'm a little bit nervous like sometimes when I go to a waitressing job if I feel really nervous I'll have like a shot or something while I'm there and that's like the extent really of what I'll drink now yeah. um, but it warms me up a little bit now I'm getting on stage like with you know just completely like I get sage fright sometimes yeah. the, the first stage. Because it's daunting. It mm-hmm. is daunting. Like you got to like warm up to it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, especially when there's no one sitting around you. You're like, who am I dancing for? And sometimes you just have to be like, fuck it, I'm dancing for myself. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it takes me a minute. Sometimes by the time I get onto my second stage, I'm like feeling myself and you're I'm happy. It, yeah. But the first stage, yeah, I was really quiet. Anyway, we had this customer come in. He sits down at my stage and he's like, you're not trying very hard for a hustler. Aren't you an absolute hustler? And I was like, damn, he listens to the podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we were in the change rooms too, we walked in there and like we've introduced ourselves with like different stage names and they're like, oh my God, do you guys, do you guys do the pod? Like there's a few girls that have been like, oh, we listen to your podcast and we yeah. love that. We and love that's that. so nice. I love when people come up to us and say stuff like that. I'm just like, yes, it's yeah. us. I forget the point of what I was originally saying about that. Oh, the hostile energy. That's right. The hostile energy. Yeah. So that, that particular guy, I'm not going to say who he was, but he like lives in my area, knows who I am, came up to me later and was like, oh, I know this person and then, you know, we have mutual 
mutual friends, whatever. We had a conversation about it. Um, and he had like this particular sense of humor that was a little bit um, like dry and sarcastic. And Brooke was just not really having it. But he also kind of came across like... I guess if you don't understand or that's not your particular sense of humor, sometimes it can come across really um, passive aggressive. Yeah. And she was just like calling him out. Like she at one point was like leaning over the table, had her hands in his face and I was like, that's enough. And like had to pull her away. I was like, go sit down and calm down. We're here to make money, not friends. Okay. <laughs> and I was just, cause like he was telling us stuff about, um, the pod. He was like, oh, you should, you know, really dive into like the male audience, blah, blah, blah. Cause they're like the people that are paying you. And I'm like, um, no, this is for the girls mm-hmm. in the industry. It's not for the males. Yep. It's for the males that want to understand yes. what it's like being in the industry. But, but he, this he was, is a YTG situation. Yeah, He was saying it as in like, we need to like be more sexy and like talk about sex and like blah 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 blah. and it's like just typical fucking male shit and I was like no fuck off get a grip I I don't want to hear it I took him for it I just (laughs) but you know what I just capitalized off that I was like I'm just gonna have to grind the attitude right out of you let's go for a dance took him for a dance extended the dance and then when he walked out of there he was like oh I have a stuffy and I was like (laughs) I told you (laughs) anyway see you later thank you very much for your 200 dollars get the fuck out of my face Um, yeah, so like it annoyed me as well, but you just have to like you know you got to put on the yeah. whole. You normally, deal I, with it. Normally, I can deal with it. Mm-hmm. I just think like you know, girls have their off nights. I was having an off night, yes. and like yeah. everything was pissing me off. <laughs> Mind you, this guy bought us like four Red Bulls as well, so and we I'm were just, just like, like bouncing off the walls. <laughs> I'm just like, so you should. <laughs> <laughs> and they charge like nine dollars fifty or something for a Red Bull. No vodka, just just Red Bull, just can of Red Bull, nine bucks at yeah. Sefton's. It's- Expensive, man. It's crazy. But it's fine. It's fine. So that's pretty much the life update. So we're stripping now. Um, And the reason why we're stripping, um, there's a couple of reasons. So we did mention before that it's, we been really quiet at, um, at the moment with waitressing. Yeah. And um, look, we're in a recession. The economy's fallen to shit. Interest yeah. rates are rising. No one's got any money. We're waiting for tax time. Yeah. But like the other reason why we started in it was because we wanted to experience what it was like not being around an environment that is constantly having mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol pushed in our face. Yeah. We've both had um, issues in the past and then even sometimes in the present, not necessarily with like the abuse of alcohol and drugs, but just being in the presence of it or being in the presence of other people that are constantly drunk and constantly off their head. Um, I just kind of got to a point for me where I found it to be – uh, like all consuming, mentally draining. Yeah. And I feel like my cup was always empty, had nothing left to give anyone else, felt desensitized, felt disassociated a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and just felt that it wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy for me. Um, and there was a point when I first started waitressing too, where I was super reliant on alcohol and drugs to persevere through jobs that might have been difficult. Yeah, and it's very common. Like, it's so common in the waitressing industry and, like, a lot of girls don't pull themselves out of it. Mm. And we talked a little bit about that in episode one or two. I can't remember what one, but, yeah. And to be straight up, it's a problem that no one is policing. Yeah. I actually feel like, if anything, by the – and I'm not, like, targeting anyone or singling anyone out, but by there are a lot of agents that are still posting jobs or in the job description it says party girls only. So basically what that means is only apply for this job if you're willing to sit there for nine hours and rack with this dude until you feel like you can't rack anymore. Yeah. Um, Because they want to get their commission with the extensions. And sometimes I feel like safety is a secondary and um, not only for for agents, but for ourselves. It's like we're putting 
our safety as a secondary to and our health yeah, as a secondary exactly and our, and our health as a secondary to making money and then now we've kind of gotten to a point where I've sat here and you've sat here as well we've had the conversation together and we've asked ourselves okay yeah we're making more money by you know being able to participate and, and extend longer but what's it really costing us yeah like don't get me wrong like before I have never really been like a drinker or a drug taker mm-hmm. and like since I started doing waitressing probably this is the most that I've ever partaken in that in my life. Yeah. Like even when I first turned 18, like it wasn't really like a a, a need for me to be able to do that. I, mm-hmm. I, I even went to rave sober. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it just wasn't a part of my life. Whereas like now I feel like it's consumed me a little bit and like I'm quite self-aware to be like, okay, this is where it's going to cut off and that's enough for me. Like I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if I go out with my girlfriends, maybe, but like, I'm not going to be doing it like I was. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, I mean, for me, I felt like there was a a point where, and I I kind of had to like self-reflect to even realize it, but I was like, realizing that every time I'd go to a job, I was always having a drink or always having a line. It was either one or the other, sometimes both. Never in, never an excessive amount. Yeah. But I was still always having it. And then I would justify it to myself with, oh, but it made, you know, it made me a little bit fun or it made them happier because I was participating or whatever the reason is. And the biggest justification I would tell myself is it's not a problem because it's only when I'm at work. Yeah. But just because you're only doing it when you're at work and you're not, you know, a dysfunctional every single day addict doesn't make you any less of an addict it just makes you a functional one exactly and I just for me I was like this is not the person I want to be I don't want to be you know under the influence of stuff on a week-to-week basis um again like I said I was never like you know writing myself off or anything like that but I I was like wow I haven't gone one weekend without having a drink I need to have a sip of something every and then if I went you know like one or two weeks without drinking I would kind of start thinking about it like oh I would even text you like you know we haven't gone out in ages we should go out you and me haven't gone out since my birthday back in April yeah so it's you know I think like there's different um like ends of the spectrum when it comes to addiction like Mm -hmm. we talked about it in last episode where like a certain someone he would let it consume his life Mm -hmm. whereas like me I probably still had a bit of an issue but I wasn't letting it take control of my every being and I had responsibilities that I needed to do Mm -hmm. like you know what I mean like I won't let it ever ever get to that point but it's still not good for your mental health overall anyway I feel like in a way it's worse because we're still functioning and getting all the things done that we need to do people that are around us and love us and care for us don't see hey there's a problem there yeah because you're so able to like cover it up and just keep on keeping and Mm -hmm. doing what you're meant to do and just like keep on grinding because that's just who we are as people we're hustlers so we just keep on getting on with life and sometimes the people around us don't notice that there's a problem there um like I mean, there's heaps of celebrities that do the same thing and it's usually like prescription. I mean, I had an issue, my biggest issue relating to drugs was um, prescription pills. Like I was finding that I could not turn myself, could not turn my mind off at night, could not sleep at night. Mm. I was taking a lot of sleeping pills, like not Zannies or anything, but like Valiums or muscle relaxants or um, what's that other one called? It's like a natural sleeping pill. Uh, um, 
Uh, rest of it. I was like pumping the rest of it every single night to be able to go to sleep and it would give me nightmares, but it would still put me to sleep. But it's like the insomnia was crazy. Yeah. So yeah, we just, we wanted to move away from that environment um, because it it is toxic. And I I think that having self-control is the biggest way to stay sane in, in those environments. And we get that it's, you know, as a party waitress, it's part of your job to be around the party and to be able to control it. There's nothing wrong with going, you know what? I actually need a fucking break. Yeah. And like, you know, if you are out there and you are struggling with something like this or if you're struggling even with your mental health within the sex work industry, you can always reach out to resources like Swap, which we tagged in one of our um, last posts on our Instagram. You can always mm-hmm. look it up and follow the link. Yeah, I just, um, we we don't want anyone to, I mean, the reason I guess we're kind of talking about this is because we want people to realize that they're really not alone. We totally yeah. understand why. You, there's nothing wrong with you for always having a drink on a job or always, like, it's not a healthy habit, obviously, but there's nothing wrong with you. And I totally get it because sometimes some people are just so difficult to put up with or so yeah. difficult to talk to that you just don't want to, like, anything that will kind of take the edge off or set, settle your anxiety or make you feel a little bit better. Like, you know, I, I get it. It's just that there's better ways to deal with it. And I mm-hmm. think that when you are getting to that point where you are noticing that every single job there's a drink or every single job there's a line, and that even worse, if you're still getting in the car after that, yeah, then you need to just take a break. Yeah, um, you need to have a rest. Even if you think you need to have a rest from waitressing, and I know that's hard because, you know, we do all need the money, but sometimes just having a weekend off is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I mean, to reset. The, reset. Big, the biggest addiction, other than the drugs and the alcohol, is, is the, the money. A hundred percent, the money. Like, I mean, I my mortgage was due the Wednesday that just passed, and I totally space. I had other things that were happening in life, and I just wasn't like coping with life on a day to day as it was over the last couple of weeks. Um, and just, you know, had old mate moving out of the house and like my son just asking questions like, where is he? Where is he? What's going on? And it was just, it was like super stressful. Um, and I didn't even just totally slip my mind that the, that the repayment was due. Um, and then my mom reminded me, she was like, Oh, don't forget your, you know, mortgage is due on this date. And I was like, fuck, what the fuck am I going to do now? I've got to come up with like two or like my mortgage is like just under three grand. I'm like, where the fuck am I going to get two and a half thousand dollars from you know almost two thousand seven hundred dollars from in five days and then I just went to the club I worked every single night and then I did like a waitressing job after and I I paid it in seven days so there is obviously that's the addiction that's the biggest addiction of all is the money like not being able to take a break from the job because you are just addicted to having the money put in your hand or you really really need it for a very valid reason yeah so it's very hard to step away sometimes but you just gotta do it like I've been like you guys should see the state of my hair right now. It's slicked back for a reason. Like I am just not like spending the way that I used to and like in a broke girl era at the moment because I did take a break, but it's been worth it because I feel now mentally more at peace than what I have the last few months. Reset, reset for sure. A hundred percent. Well, speaking of your mom, Mm -hmm. should we go into the love segment of this episode so we're not going to be touching on like boyfriends and stuff like that we've done that way too many times yeah we're going to be talking about the reaction from our loved ones as in family when Mm -hmm. we like started being in the sex industry so obviously I mean, it's it's safe to assume that, you know, your parents obviously love you and they care for you and they want the best for you. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, but some people's parents aren't very accepting of 
you know, the sex industry or maybe they are accepting of the sex industry, but not if it includes their daughter. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I saw uh, in one of the safe space chats that there was a girl that had um, popped a message in there asking if anyone had any experiences similar to her. Her parents had just found out that this is what she does mm. um, and she had no idea how they were going to react or how they were going to take it. She was still living at home at the time. Um, and you know, things were, were getting hard for her because she was, you know, having a lot of her parents are super conservative and she was having a lot of criticism bestowed upon her about, you know, her, her choices and she doesn't have any self-respect and she, you know, is doing things that are shameful to her family and, you know, how is she ever going to find all that shit, you know? Yeah, just the normal things that everyone says pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and but- it was so triggering for me because I had such a similar experience yeah. and I thought, well, I think maybe a lot of people have. I know um, we've touched on it before. People are very private about the fact that they participate in this work and that's for a reason. They don't yeah. want their civvy job finding out that they do this and they also don't want their family finding out that they do this because they don't want to disappoint them or upset them or and that comes all the way back to like misconceptions as well like Mm -hmm. people think the sex industry is one thing and one thing only Mm -hmm. where it's like there's so like there's so many different factors that play into it like not everyone fucks everyone this that blah blah blah. it's not like that but that's just what comes to your head automatically when someone says oh you're a waitress or oh you're a stripper yeah yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, and I just thought, you know what, we've talked about the issues that we've had with boyfriends and the issues that we've had with friends and stuff along the way, but has anyone ever spoken about how fucking hard it is to like either come forward to your parents and say, hey, this is what I do and I still want you to love me anyway? Or like in my situation, I, I hid it from them for as long as I possibly could. Like, yeah. I, And I lied through my teeth about it until I couldn't anymore. Yeah. So once they found out on their own accord and they confronted me about it, I was like, okay, well, you know, what do you want to know? And then I sat down eventually and told them everything. But the stuff that they said to me and the things that they still say to me now yeah. damaged our relationship beyond repair. Do you ever think it would have been better just to tell them straight off the bat? No, I don't no. think it would have made a difference. I think that they, they see the world one way and I see the world another way and um, you know it's just a generational thing they were raised one way and they believe one thing and I don't expect them to change their beliefs to accommodate for my lifestyle but they should like you know like they should love you enough to know that it's not good for your mental health the things that they are saying yeah it's um it's really shit like when I um when my parents found out that I was a waitress, how it happened was my there was someone at my dad's work who was organizing a box party for a mate and it was through bombshells. And they had gone on to bombshells on the website and they no. saw photos of me on there. And I had a stage name at the time. Anyway, yeah. they showed my dad and they were like, is this your daughter? Which obviously as a father is probably the most mortifying thing that could ever happen to you. No, I wasn't naked in them. Like, no, they, were like they were like laundry, like cute laundry pics. They yeah. weren't like anything too full on um but yeah that was mortifying for my dad and I had told my parents at the time that I was working at a bar in the city like doing shift work and it was like through an agency and they were you know like how we used to do through um old mates agency yeah Yeah. it was just like you know shift work at all these different places and um I came home one day it was like two o'clock in the morning and my dad who's a like old wogman by the way guys just for some context he's sitting in his little chair I don't know if you guys know the chair I'm talking about but like you know (laughs) they know the chair they know know the chair you know you know, and he's sitting in the chair and he's like, it was very godfather. He looked at me and he's like, so I know what you really do. 
That's all he said. I wouldn't I know what you really do. And I was like, I was looking around like, <laughs> can I run? Is it too late to run? Is it too late to run? <laughs> can I get out of here? I thought, I'm fucked. Anyway, and I just looked at him and I was like, all right, do you want to talk about it? Because if you want me to, if, if you have any questions, if you want to talk about it, I was very calm. So yeah. my dad, like, my dad is a scary man. He can be a really scary man. But um, when serious things happen, really serious things happen. He has this calmness about him that's actually more scary. Oh, God. Yeah. And he was like, I said to him, do you have any questions? And he said, okay, I want to know. You know, the first thing he asked me, are you fucking for money? And I said, no, no. No way. Yeah, straight up. Are you having sex with people for money? Exactly. See what I said, guys? Yeah. Mm. Um, And then he said, okay, so what, like, why are you doing it? Why would you not? Why would you not ask me for help? You know, this is disgusting it's embarrassing you're bringing shame to our family like you know what's your son gonna think of you when he grows up have you even thought about when he goes to school if he's gonna get bullied and I'm just sitting there thinking I'm doing what I what I like I know how to do I, I maybe I could do anything else maybe I could have done anything else and I could have gone back to an office job and slaved away for 60 hours a week and never actually seen my kid and he just think of me as like a a character rather than an actual yeah. presence in his life this job was giving me the flexibility to be present in his life and to still earn a fuck ton of money and you know th- my parents put a lot of pressure on me to we want to see you get married and we want to see you have more kids and we want to see you buy the house and I was like okay well I things don't work out for me very well in the love department so that's fine I've already had the kid and I'm like you know treat him with all the love and care in the world do like I got my kid a pony for his birthday okay I got him like a whole petting zoo and a pony like I'll do anything for my kid yeah my parents know that yeah like we have such a special bond and we spend so much time together I just I try not to put um so much of that on the internet because there's just you know obviously my um social media is very plain um uh and simply like open about you know the fact yeah. that I'm a sex worker mm-hmm. and I don't want um any kind of obviously there's creeps that you know come with that territory yeah and I don't want anyone to like I just I don't know when you're a parent you'll get it but there's just you know I don't want people looking at photos of my kid that are also you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I know what I'm what saying? saying? It's just an uncomfortable thing. So I try to kind of um, – I, I put a lot of stuff on my close friend's story, but I don't really put too much of him of online. Of him online. And that's um, why, guys. But then at the same time, when you were dating a certain someone, all of his little fans were giving you criticism about not posting him. Yeah, I mean, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. If I'm not posting him, I'm a shit mum and I'm never at home. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm doing the best thing that I can do as a parent in terms of being present for him. Yeah. Um, and whenever I'm not able to be – with him because I'm at work, he's either with his dad or he's with my parents. He's always with someone that loves and cares for him when I go to work. Exactly. Um, but yeah, but that's like with any, that's like how I grew up. I literally grew up like my mom had two jobs, my dad worked crazy hours. <laughs> I, my, my nana. Like and my nan, yeah. my grandparents raised me pretty much, but that doesn't mean I look at my mum and mum and dad any different. They were doing what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that my son's going to see me the same way, straight up. I do, and I think I'm going to raise him to, you know, look at women with respect, no matter what. And I'm going to make sure that he looks at women and understands that their occupation has no correlation with who they are as a person exactly. at all. Um, and he's just going to grow up to be a respectful little dude. And if he doesn't, I'm going to fucking we're going to be having words, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be that mom that's going to like enable him to treat girls like shit. Like if no. I see him, if I even see the tiniest bit of misogyny in that kid, I'm just going to slap it out of him. <laughs> but yeah, literally like with the thong, like on the old school, how we used to do it. No, I'm yeah. joking, I'm joking. No one called docs on me. 
But yeah, so, you know, there was a lot of um, criticism about, you know, um, me doing the job and then how that feeds into parenthood. Like how, yeah. you know, it's like you can't be a sex worker and be a parent. I actually met a girl once on a job that the reason why she was doing waitressing was because her and her husband couldn't fall pregnant and they were trying to save money for IVF. Oh. So, yeah. So there's everyone's got a reason as to why they do why it. Why they do it. There was just so much shame from my parents yeah. at that time that was like, you know, you're this and you're that. And um, they, they were just putting all these criticisms on me for all the things that they thought I was as an association of, as a sex worker yeah. and not at all seeing me for who I am. Like I'm a single 20-something-year-old girl that just bought a house by herself. You should be fucking proud of me, not telling me that you're ashamed of me. And yeah. like me and my parents – we we have a good relationship uh, in ways, but in other ways they like they just, you just don't see eye to eye. You there's just mesh. no support there. Yeah, like yeah. Um, they refuse to listen to the podcast. I've asked mum if she'll come on here and talk about. I actually did ask my mum if she'd come on here and talk about what it was like for them finding out that I do this. Yeah. Can, just said no, and I respect that. I respect their choice to not support the work. I still kind of expect that they will support me. I'm glad that we're still on speaking terms, but I know there are a lot of people out there that don't have a relationship with their parents at all anymore because they found out that this is what they do it's it's crazy like you see it all the time in like you know like celebrity life like what's what's her name Mia Khalifa she Mm -hmm. literally got fucking banned from a whole country yeah because she did porn it's just fucking sad like I just I don't know when it's gonna end or how far it's gonna go but I don't want anyone to think that you know if your parents are saying to you that you know you're ashamed to your family you're not ashamed to your family it's actually shameful that they are like completely disowning you and disregarding your feelings and like you know Sam's talking a lot about this right now because she's had a lot of experience like with that sort of side of things whereas like my side eh, my mum and my mum knows my dad doesn't know, but I f- feel like if he knew anyways, he'd just be like, what I don't know won't hurt me sort of situation. Like, yeah. See, my parents are like Aussies. Like they don't give a fuck about anything. <laughs> I think there's definitely a big difference in Australian culture to like um, a wog culture. Yeah. I'm, I'm technically orthodox. Um, I'm, I've got a Greek background and my family is very much traditional. Yeah. Um, so I th- that's obviously why we're different there. But yeah, yeah um, I think that it does suck a lot of the time. And um, I think that sometimes when you have that like complete refusal um, to accept you for who you are, um, it, it's really, really hard. And then you yeah. find that they start criticizing you for everything. Like, like I could just imagine, like, I like thinking, putting myself in someone else's shoes like that. Like, if my dad, if my dad turned around and said something like that to me, I would be shattered. Bro, it was devastating, devastating. Like, I bawled my eyes out, and like, I can't tell you how many fights we've had where I've literally screamed at them, like, "Why can't you just be proud of me? Why can't you just be proud of me?" Mm. And it's so devastating. Like, and it really like brought me has brought me to a point of complete mental breakdown in the past, where I just feel like totally isolated, totally alone. And I've said to my dad, like, "You're the person that I rely on to make me feel safe. You're the only man I've ever had in my life that's never let me down in that way." please yeah. don't turn your back on me now and I've had to beg and plead with them that they really really struggle to accept the job um, and I remember when um, my mum and I had an argument not all that long ago you remember and mm-hmm. she said to me oh well if you're so proud of your job then why don't you tell all your family what you do and he said the only reason I haven't 
is because you guys asked me not to. 100%. And then I was like, you want me to announce it? Fuck, I'll post a Facebook status right now. Don't at me. Like, don't tell me not to. Like, don't tell me I'm afraid to do something because yeah. I'll one up you and do it. Mm-hmm. And I did. And let me tell you, the text messages came flooding in. Like, it was Niagara Falls, honestly, in my phone. Like, it was just crazy. I got a message from my auntie that was like, this, like this, it was so big. And then um, it was just all of the same shit. You know, how is everyone going to perceive you? You don't even think about the effects, the detrimental effects this will have on your family and what happens if someone asks you to sleep with them for money. Like you just say no for one. Um, <laughs> if you want to say no, but if you don't want to say no, then who cares? Exactly. You know how many girls go out to clubs and sleep with medium ugly guys for like two vodka lim- like lime sodas? And you're going to be mad at someone for doing it for $600 or $700 or whatever. Get over it. Yeah, Get literally. over it. There is like, I would, at least you're getting compensated for it in some kind of way. You know, in a I'm, better way than a vodka lime soda. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I the shame's got to stop. I'm yeah. fucking so over it. And I, I, I literally bang my head against a wall trying to tell everyone to stop being so shameful and to stop projecting it. And I say it to them all the time. If you feel shame, that's your issue to deal with. I don't feel ashamed of what I do at all. I'm yeah. happy with who I am as a person on the inside so if if you feel ashamed about it that's your demon to to deal with not mine do you ever think like do you ever see like narcissistic traits in you in your parents yeah because of it to be fair I think everyone has narcissistic traits for sure yeah um that's another thing I was gonna say in life updates I've started doing therapy so after my little my my not little was a pretty big menti b yeah um, I started doing therapy and I definitely asked her like you know um because sometimes I like I'm really like self-critical um and I asked her yeah I asked her straight out I'm like is is, is me am I the problem um am I a narcissist like I straight up asked her once if I'm a narcissist and I was explaining certain situations where I thought that I might have been narcissistic and she was explaining to me exactly how certain things aren't my fault and um you know that your brain chemistry completely changes after you experience a traumatic event and sometimes you're responding in a fight or flight mode it doesn't make you a narcissist it just makes you reactive to certain situations that that are triggering yeah you get triggers and that's fine it's just therapy you're gonna you're gonna get to this but therapy is like like identifying those triggers and learning how to deal with them yeah and like that's probably the best part of therapy like that's it's the best thing that comes out of it I think Mm because that's what's helped me so much with all of my traumas like if you met me like five years ago like I someone could bang on the table and I'd be sent into a complete panic like I was not okay and like now it's like Oh, okay. Like that's just one thing that I can now deal with. You know mm. what I mean? So you'll I get think there. even if you think that there's no reason for you to be in therapy, just do therapy. Yeah. Honestly, I could not preach about therapy anymore. Like it's just to be self-aware and self-reflective. And the stigma on that is definitely like coming down like a lot. Like mm-hmm. a lot of more people are doing therapy now, and it's great. Yeah. I love to see it. I just think for this industry, I just think you should do it. I just think everyone should do it. Um, even if you only want to go, you know, um, you don't have to go every single week, but but if you want to go, just go. Like yeah. I honestly think it's you the best You can do it thing. over FaceTime too. Yeah, I do mine. So my um my therapist is in Double Bay area yeah. and I do it on FaceTime once a week and I, we have like one and a half to two hour sessions and I just find it to be the best thing ever. Um, But yeah, so that kind of brings us into um the next topic that we wanted to talk about, which was uh, narcissism. Mm. So um, the reason why we wanted to talk about this is because we've had a crazy amount. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Lately, we've just had narcissists like coming from left, right, but and center. Yeah. And I'm just like, you can all fuck off. 
it's it's adding to the whole like all these things kind of tie in together it's adding to the whole complete strain on like mental stability and mental health and it's just we we thought we'd put out some feelers out there and just see if anyone else is going through the same thing and we'd give you some tips on like how to identify them and just obviously understanding the difference between someone that might have one or two narcissistic traits and someone that is actually a narcissist an actual full-blown narcissist and like how to deal with them if you come across them at work as well because you are in that such vulnerable like position you can't really like set them off because yeah you just have yeah so (laughs) before we get in like deep and heavy to this particular topic we gotta tell you guys okay so on saturday night Brooke and I worked at the club until like 1.30 in the morning. We we pick up a waitressing job after that. It's like 2 a.m. at this point. It's in the city, this really, really nice house, um, like in this tiny, what was the suburb called again? I have no idea. Anyway. Uh, it was like on the water somewhere. Like you it was see nice. all of the city from the balcony. It was just crazy, beautiful house. This guy was easily the craziest cunt I've ever met in my I life. I have never met someone so chaotic and with such bad eczema. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he was actually straight up a fucking horrible human being. Like, the worst. An actual horrible human being. Like, okay. Okay, so, so to start off with. We, hold on, hold on. She actually, while we were there, because I told you guys we're on a sober journey at the moment, right? While we were there and all this stuff was happening, I look over into the corner, I can see Brooke taking notes. Taking notes. Like, she's writing everything down. <laughs> she's like, we're going to talk about this in the podcast. <laughs> And I was like, excellent. (laughs) Okay, before we go into detail about the story, can you just read out the notes as they are? Okay. I have to cut out a couple of things, but anyways. Why do you? Because of the field that he works in. It's a very narrow field, guys. So if I like put it it out there. They're going to do Google the... Maybe. Yeah, okay. All right, beep it out, beep it out. Bonsai's. His dog ran away. Benjo. He got us flowers, phone calls with random people. He hates his ex because she's a stripper. Fell upstairs trying to get his dog. <laughs> Asks if we know how to use a calculator. Drug addiction. Read us a poem. <laughs> Failed a girl because he didn't think she was good enough. Took a lawnmower and tried to cross over a bridge. Got caught. No, no, the bridge, guys. The bridge. The harbour bridge. Did he? It was at the harbour bridge. Yeah. yeah. Well, he got caught because he ran out of fuel. <laughs> he stole it from his house that his ex-wife and new lover lives in. <sighs> this is fucked. <laughs> Came on his wife's face when she was asleep because he hates her and never admitted it. That is sexual assault, just FYI. When Guys, when he told us that, like I – the initial shock – I was like, oh, my I fucking God. I thought he was joking. And then I looked at his face and he's like, yes, I'm a very intense person. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> holy fuck. Like, I'm, I was look, like, as soon as he, as soon as I came out, I started looking around for all my nearest fire escapes, like all my nearest <laughs> exits. And then, you know what, the dog, I actually felt sorry for that because the dog was too. I could see every opportunity he got. This dog knew how to jump up onto the door and open the door. Open the he damn took door. Off down the street. And I was and like, run, Benjo. Fell run. up the stairs. Oh my <laughs> God. Um, okay. What else do we have? <clears throat> Where was I? Came on his wife's face. Told us to read a book when we left sarcastically, saying he thinks we were lovely and he got a lot of knowledge from us. Me being a dumb bitch, I was like, oh, thanks. 
Thanks. <laughs> guys. Okay. I'm an idiot. You guys have no idea. Like I don't think in all my years I've ever come across a person so intense and so fucking terrible. Like just gen- like genuinely terrible as a human being. The whole time I was there, I was thinking, I can see why your wife left you. Yeah. I can see why she cheated on you. I can see why your best mate wanted to participate because you're a terrible fucking human being. Mm-hmm. And like even with the dog trying to run away multiple times was the cherry on top of the cake for me. <laughs> It was a cry for help. <laughs> we need to call the RSPCA. I, I still have the though. address. I want to do a welfare check on that dog. <laughs> it's sad because he looked really well, like well groomed, but yeah. like I could tell mentally he was struggling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we wanted to open up the conversation of narcissists with good old. We should give him a nickname. Narkies. Um, what? Narkies? Narkies. Yeah, it's like short for narcissism. Good old narkies, guys. Yeah. We just, okay, so um, first of all, we find that we come across these people really, really often in the sex industry. And the reason why we do, um, I think it's because they're particularly high risk when it comes to our emotional and physical safety. So it's really important that we do understand like um, what they are, how to identify them yeah. and how to not trigger them. So we we did have another girl working with us um, on that particular night. And um, this bloke, let's call him, uh, I almost said his real name just then. That was an S name I'm going to say. Let's call him Shane. Okay, we're going to call him Shane. Good old Shano. Yeah, <laughs> Shano. Shano um, was super into chess, okay? And he was also <laughs> racked out of his mind. Racked out of his mind. Like he was pacing up and down. He made himself four separate drinks, holding one drink, holding another one. He's pacing up and down the kitchen. And then he keeps going to tell us a story while he's holding the little trusty fiver, okay? Yeah. He's holding the fiver and he's pacing and he's telling us this story. And he's like, now, I know you girls might not know what this word means, but exponentially, and then would explain something. And I'm yeah. looking at him like, you think I'm a dumb cunt, don't you? You really, he thinks I'm a dumb cunt. And he asked me to like say like six numbers and oh, then I went yeah. to say it and he was just like, it's not that hard. Hurry up, hurry and up. He said, can name six numbers between one and nine. And like, it was three o'clock in the morning. We're tired as. Brooke's like, oh, look, I don't really want to do that. And he's like, well, it's not a quiz. Can you just do it? Like, it, it surely can't be that hard for you. And I was like, okay, my guy. And then oh. he, he like, so he pulled out like a textbook and opens it up and he's like, oh, let me just read you this small chapter and show you where this person failed in this course. And I'm thinking, like we're we at a party, care. bro. Why did you just pull out a textbook? This is the weirdest shit I've ever seen. Still holding the trusty fiver this whole time, okay? And then he runs back. He like so. Then he gets a phone call from this this chick that he's apparently been seeing. She's just come home from a swingers club. And then he's like, "Oh, talk to talk to." And he passes the phone to me. This is Michael's wife. I'm standing there thinking, "Who the fuck is Michael?" <laughs> Anyway, he hands me the phone, runs back to the kitchen, starts telling a story again, goes to half the line and then stops and starts telling me the story again. At this point, I'm like, Shano, mate, you've been hovering around that plate for 20 minutes. Please have the fucking line. Please (laughs) giving me anxiety. (laughs) Oh, it was too much. The whole thing was chaos. And it got to a point where like every time Brooke and I made eye contact, we started pissing ourselves laughing. I couldn't. And when he fell up the stairs. Oh, yeah. So the dog, the dog. 
dog goes to run away, okay, the dog starts running away. He hears the dog open the front door. He jumps up on his little hind legs, opens the door, and he's like, Banjo, fuck, starts running toward the door. And, like, just misses him. Like, he just reaches for him, and Banjo's like, bye, bitches. <laughs> he ran. Mind you, we, this is a topless job. We hadn't gotten undressed at all at yeah, this point. Yeah, we were still clothed. So Banjo <laughs> flogs it down the street. Old Shado runs out, runs after him out the door. He's gone for, like, 30 minutes, like, at least 30 minutes. We're and that's there. when I'm starting to write the notes. We're I'm sitting like, there in front of a fire, chilling, like, she's Brooke's writing notes, like, nonstop. We've got a beautiful view of, like, a whole bunch of bonsai trees. Yeah, it was crazy, crazy. <laughs> anyway, he comes back and he's got a flower each for us, right? And he, he starts kind of being really nice and really sweet. There were some moments where he was actually really funny and enjoyable yeah, as a person. Yeah. And then he would go, yeah, but my ex is a fucking stripper, cunt, dirty dog. I don't know why I hang around these fucking halls. Like, you know, you girls are nice, though. And we're sitting there like, oh, okay. All right. I'm gonna- <laughs> okay, Shano, calm down yeah. right now, my guy. <laughs> I, you know what? At first I thought he was just a straight-up misogynist. And then as the night went on, I, I realized – he actually genuinely thinks he's better than everyone else. And then it occurred to me on the way home, he's a narcissist. Yeah. Textbook narcissist. So yeah. anyway, funny stories aside, we are going to explain to you guys what a narcissist is by definition. It's really important um, that everyone also understands. It's I know that um, people kind of fling it around as an insult. But being a narcissist is actually a personality disorder. It's not something anyone can actually help. Help, yeah. Um, but by definition, it's a person who has an excessive interest in or an admiration of themselves. So they genuinely do think the world revolves around them and that they're better than everybody else. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like you can have narcissistic traits and not be a narcissist. You know what I mean, guys? Um, So it says a sense of self-importance entitled can only be around people who are important or special, interpersonal, (laughs) exploitative for their own gain, arrogant, lack of empathy is a big one. Yeah. Um. They just gave me PTSD to my ex. Oh my god! <laughs> Must be admired. Yeah. So these are all the typical traits that you're going to find in a narcissist. So not only do they have a super high sense of self worth and self importance, but they um they feel like they can only be associated with people that are really special. Like they're very special. Everything that they do is special and, and everything important. and the people that they surround themselves with, they only really do that for personal gain. So if they think that you're like special and you're and they're going to gain something from you, they will. Yeah, use you until like you you can't be used anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, it's really important. Uh, obviously, when we're waitressing or when we're working or when we're at the club, our experience and our interaction with these people are pretty limited. But the reason why it's really important to be aware of when you're with someone like that is because when they're triggered or you set them off, they can really just fucking lose it. Yeah. Um, and like the sense of like, um, the sense of someone paying paying someone to hang out with them they have this sense of they're in t- they have an entitlement over you yeah they're already self-entitled as it is and then when they're paying for your company it's like they feel that they own you for yeah. those x amount of hours or for that 10 minutes or if you're at the club it's you know for your 30 minute dance or whatever it is yeah. you're doing they feel that they own you for that time and if they own you they can treat you however the fuck they want and you just have to deal with it because you're getting paid to be there but deal with it to an extent 
Yeah. Yeah. There's ways that you can deal with it where you just make the situation more comfortable for yourself. There's ways to like, you know, negate that behavior. And sometimes you just have to play along. You have to really like make them feel like they're the most important person in the world. Go along with everything that they say. But if they do tend to cross a line, you can always say something and you can remove yourself from a situation without triggering them. Like do it very calmly and be like, hey, hey, I'm just going to like go to the bathroom. Yeah. With (laughs) with old Shano, for example, um, Brooke and I, to be honest, Honest, would have left within 30 minutes of being at that job. The reason why we didn't was because we were like, this is going to make some good content for the pod. Literally. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to identify a narcissist when you're working, it's usually the ones that m- might say some uncomfortable things to you. Mm-hmm. Like not in an aggressive way, but like might just, you know, those guys that make those little comments every now and then. Like an entitled comment, like, you know, oh, like, you know, oh, why do I have to pay for the dance? I know that you want to dance on me. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or they're overly touchy with you. Um, They, they say things where they're kind of like um, big noting themselves or they're very like flashy with the things that they're wearing or, um, oh, did you see my watch? Did you see my this? Did you see my that? They're very... um, Like, like Shano when he was like, I've done all these PhDs. I play all these instruments, blah, blah, blah. We just sat there and were like, okay. Yeah, but he had a red face covered in an ex but but he had no bigger than two inches in his pants, for sure. A hundred percent. It's just, um, it's really important that you can, like, identify them in the room because they're going to be your biggest troublemakers when you're at a job and um, yeah. they're going to cause you the most grief. And they can really make you feel like shit too. Like, remember yeah. that guy, there was a guy at the club that oh. came up to Brooke and he goes, he looks at her and he's like, you have really nice eyes. And, she and was I like, was like, thanks. And then he goes, but that's about it. And I was like, excuse me, I've got a fat ass. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. True. Facts. 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 Straight facts. Period, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So we're going to talk about some triggers for narcissists, things that you need to avoid. So when we were on the job with Shano, um, there was another waitress there and she um, was brushing her hair. And then he goes, what did he say? She was doing it intentionally, guys. Yeah. So she was um, brushing her hair uh, repeatedly. Just like it didn't even need to be brushed. She looked perfect, stunning. And uh, But Shano was really getting the shits about it. Like it seemed to aggravate him very much. <laughs> we, we wrote that in the notes. Anyway, he looked at her and he goes, I tend to put my suit on before I come to the meeting, not when I'm already there. <laughs> but then she like kept brushing her hair at very random moments. Like they were playing chess and she was like, oh, hang on, I've got to brush my hair. Like yeah, it was, she, it, knew, he, she knew he, yeah. he was getting the shits about it. And yeah. she thought it was hilarious. And I, look, it was comedic value, 10 it out of 10. It was funny. It was so funny. Potentially could have put us in a really unsafe situation yeah. if you flipped. Yeah. yeah. So um, some of the triggers that you need to look out for, their self-esteem or image has been harmed. So if you, for example, call them out on the way that they look, see if I... I went to Shano, bro, you need to do something about that eczema. He would have lost it. Mm. Like things like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they do if they don't get their own way, um, you know, to some extent, you obviously still need to do things within your comfortability. Mm-hmm. But 
if you don't want to do something, you need to like navigate how to say, oh, no, like I'm okay. Thank yeah. you, though. And remember, guys, your experience with these people is limited to between four to six hours or for the time that you're at the club. Okay. How you deal with them at work is not obviously how you deal with narcissists in the real world. Yeah, we're, no. not, we're not telling you to lay back and take it in the real world. But when you are at work, your safety is paramount. And these are the things that you really should yeah. be doing to ensure that you can get through that, you know, four to five hours without it, you know, being too scathed. Um, if you expose their narcissistic behaviors, mm-hmm. like if you call them out for, you know, if they've said something very narcissistic or like if you turn around and be like, well, that was narcissistic, like yeah. something like that. Or if you say, oh, that was fucking rude. Or if you if you call them out in front of other people in, in a negative way. Yeah. yeah. So that's like, like always been like something that's been drilled into my head when I first started waitressing. If you have a conflict with someone, don't address it in front of everyone. Always pull that certain person to the side away from everyone and let them know yeah. that it wasn't cool because then like it just d- diffuses the situation mm-hmm. tenfold. Men in particular feel very demasculated when a woman calls them out in a group setting in front of all their friends. I've seen it a thousand times. They tend to react very badly to yeah. a, a woman especially calling them out. Yeah. Um. So that's why it's always, yeah, very important to pull them to the side. and Yeah. Or, of- honestly, what I would recommend is pulling someone else, a different guy to the side that knows oh. that guy, that knows how to approach that guy, knows what he's like and say, hey, your mate's making us uncomfortable. He's been a bit of a gronk. This is what he's doing wrong. Can you please go pull him up? Yeah. Don't ever confront them yourself. I've seen too many girls do it. Like, way too many girls do it. Well, I guess it just depends. If if it's just someone, you know, doing something that's uncomfortable, then, yeah, you can probably pull them to the side. But if it's it's someone who has who is a narcissist, then yeah, you should probably tell someone else to tell them. If they are properly by tech, like not just a couple of traits, but if they are proper textbook definition narcissists, they will, when they lose it, they will lose it. And it doesn't matter like what's in their way or like it's just total warpath. So uh, that's why I think it's just better to not approach them when you find yourself in a room with them. Just Yeah, because if you ask them to be accountable, they don't take that very well. That's another yeah, trigger. Yeah, 100%. They won't and they'll gaslight you into making you believe that it's all your fault and you're the problem and there's nothing wrong with them and you're a horrible human being. And they will, they have this very interesting way of even just by knowing you. you. Yeah, they'll only know you for a couple of hours. They'll already know all the things you're insecure about because they're very calculated and they watch everything and they, they're very smart, very switched on people. Yeah. And they'll come for you in a way that like, you know, you're walking around naked. You don't want to feel attacked. Yeah, and no. it, yeah, it really just, you've got to be careful. So, pretty much the like the strategy should be avoidant yeah well anyways guys i hope you enjoyed episode four we have been itching to get back into the studio especially to tell you about shano okay <laughs> i know since saturday night we've been dying absolutely dying like oh I would, every time we talk about it i honestly piss myself laughing i think back on it now and except for the part where he told us about coming on his wife's face on his yeah. wife's face yeah and when he was like when i asked him did you did you tell her he was like oh she asked me but i never admitted to it i was thinking what the fuck like that's wild yeah crazy guy and we were very excited to tell you guys about the stripping thing too and our experience so far so we have a love-hate relationship with stripping at the moment oh i will say this i will leave you guys with this 
strippers work way harder than waitresses. Way harder. Way harder than waitresses. The bruising, the pole burn, all of that. Let me just tell you. The dancing for long periods of time. The being on stage and then having to, like, you know, smash out four privates and then jump back on stage. You're covered in sweat. They they turn the heaters on there to make it warmer so people get thirsty and they want to buy more drinks. Yeah. You suffer for that as well. Yeah. But it's fun. Like, I find it funner than waitressing. Yeah, because you're busy. You're always doing something. You're not sitting there in a room with, like, Time goes quicker. Yeah, for sure. It does. Well, that wraps up everything for episode four, Love, Drugs and Narcissism. Thank you guys for joining us. We're so sorry again about the delay. Uh, I know it took us ages to get this app out, but we're glad that we did. We hope that you found the information useful. If you are going through any kind of addiction struggles, please don't forget to look up your resources, swap.org.au, and also reach out to us if you ever need anything, have any questions. We're always here. We respond to everybody's DMs. Yeah, we love it. We love it. But yeah, Anyways, we will see you next time and bye hustlers.